everybody, it's Allie, and welcome to our Y&R chat for Sunday, December 22nd, 2019. Oh, sexy Adam sleeps alone tonight. Doesn't it just break your heart? All he wants for Christmas is Chelsea. But Chelsea is spreading all of her Christmas splendor to Nick. <laughs> Can you believe that? Chelsea and Nick had Christmas sex and then she went home to Adam. With that big, cheesy smile on her face and her hair slightly tousled, Adam knew exactly what had happened. <laughs> Nick made you more than a sandwich, didn't he? Didn't he? <laughs> oh. Oh. You know what's going to happen, right? Or what could, is at least a good, strong possibility. Chelsea could turn up pregnant. It wouldn't be a bad idea. I'd be kind of for it. Because at least then it would make this triangle feel a little less like an eventual slam dunk. So what are you guys thinking of this triangle? This is our question of the week. Who makes the better couple? Is it Chelsea and Nick? Or is it Chelsea and Adam? If you had to pick one, which guy should Chelsea choose? Where do you think the chemistry is? Which is the couple you want to see? Let's say you got to pick seeing Chelsea with either Adam or Nick for the next six months. No, six months is way too long. <laughs> That's like six years in reality time. Let's say three to four months. <laughs> Which guy would it be? Cast your vote at yrchat.com for either Adam and Chelsea or Nick and Chelsea. And don't be a waffler. You need to pick one. <laughs> because I, at this point, would rather see Nick with Phyllis. But I'm still going to have to go with a vote for Nick and Chelsea. I got to do it. Seeing Nick and Chelsea together did remind me that they made a very sweet couple at one time. There is a fun and a frivolity and a chemistry there that I just don't feel like I have quite seen yet with Adam and Chelsea. I feel like any chemistry between Adam and Chelsea that I might be feeling right now is entirely based on memories. It's entirely based on how I felt about Adam and Chelsea, the power couple, before the recast. Not that there's anything wrong with the recast. It's just YNR hasn't really taken the time, in my opinion, to build up an Adam and Chelsea connection. She was really dismissive of him when she found out that he was alive and now they're thrust together over this Connor situation and... 
I think that I need to see Adam and Chelsea building up some kind of new connection that's other than Connor, something besides Connor. I could be swayed into an Adam and Chelsea reunion, 100%, no doubt about it, but Connor is a challenge that unites Adam and Chelsea, but he's not a challenge that's lighting the romantic spark for me. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like I'd almost really rather see Adam with someone else. And you know what occurred to me this week? Ooh, I think that Adam and Amanda would be a really hot pairing. Because Adam and Billy kind of have that same brooding temperament about them going on. And Amanda kind of works well with that. Her personality sort of fits well with that. And Adam is single. That's the difference. Billy ain't single. Adam is single. And it occurred to me that they could be really hot together. I mean, come on. Adam has only had one sex scene since he's even been back in town. (laughs) That feels wrong to me. (laughs) And I think it needs to be corrected. He's been on the show for nearly a year at this point, and it's Christmas for goodness sake. Somebody needs to unwrap that package. Somebody who is not Sharon. (laughs) I don't want Adam and Sharon back together. Sharon is a wild card. She needs a partner who is a stabilizing force for her, like Ray. (laughs) I was glad to see that Mariah accidentally nudged Ray and Sharon into the realization that they will be spending their holidays together this year. It's going to be great. (laughs) Faith is going to be coming back from boarding school soon. Mariah says, oh, yeah, Faith always really liked you, Ray. I mean, of all of mom's boyfriends, Faith always really liked you. (laughs) And I am thinking that maybe Faith could have a talk with little Connor, you know, straighten him out. Everybody knows that Faith is the real counselor on the show. She's the real stable one. She's the real wise man here. (laughs) Faith is the one who needs Summer's wise man costume. She could put that thing on and probably go set Connor straight in one talk. (laughs) I would bet on it. Grab him by the collar as he's wheeling up and down the hallways of the penthouse tower on his skateboard. Oh, Lord, please do not give this kid a skateboard for Christmas. That is the last thing we need. Cowabunga, dude, eat my shorts. We do not need a new little Bart Simpson on the show. (laughs) Or do we? Wait a minute, or do we? (laughs) I like the chaos that Connor can cause. Connor has been unceremoniously disinvited back to Walnut Grove Academy. Oh, the gall. The nerve of this private school. After all of the money that the Newmans have given to that academy over the years, (laughs) for them to coldly 
disallow the kid with the pocket knife and the psychological trauma to come back into their hallways. How dare they? <laughs> oh, Connor. I was very impressed with his artistic skills this week, though. I mean, the portrait that he drew of Sharon was spot on. Three eyes, two horns, big sharp teeth. It was like a, a, an uncanny likeness. <laughs> oh. Hey, at least Connor's monster is getting smaller. And it's all because mom and dad are back together. <laughs> Except when mom is delivering Christmas packages to St. Nick. Sharon tells Adam that letting Connor continue to have this whole family fantasy, although it may be working, it is very dangerous. She encourages Adam uh, to just be honest with Connor, even if it's in small bouts. And she is absolutely right. It is the fantasy of every child of divorce, the, or maybe not every, but a lot of children of divorce, that their parents are going to get back together. And if that is not going to happen, then Chelsea and Adam need to just be real with this kid. Because progress that is based on a fantasy or a lie isn't real progress. Oh, Sharon is so right. But Adam's, <laughs> Adam's response was, yeah, 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 I hear ya. We'll tell him after the holidays. <laughs> Translation, give me a couple more days to see if I can come up with a way to sabotage Nick and Chelsea's relationship so that I can have her all to myself. Boy, Phyllis sure was offended when Adam casually suggested that maybe Phyllis and he should have a mutually beneficial arrangement wherein she seduces Nick away from Chelsea. I mean, what's the big deal? It's a win-win. After all, we're friends, aren't we? <sighs> yes, Phyllis's reaction, though, was very, how dare you suggest that I get what I want? <laughs> Adam should have just waited two weeks. That was all it was going to take. Nick and Chelsea are still on the verge of breaking up. One sex session is not going to change that. And Phyllis is waiting in the wings anyway. You know, there's a part of me that almost would have expected Phyllis to go along with it. If if she would have gone along with it, I don't think I would have been surprised. I'm not surprised, I guess, uh, that of, of her actual reaction. But I also wouldn't have been surprised if she would have gone along with it. It really could have gone either way. Um, I really can only assume that the majority of Phyllis's actual reaction is related to her deep-seated trauma 
over the Marco situation. I mean, she was sexually abused by the man who looked like Jack, who she was with at the time. So I think that the idea for Phyllis of being used sexually in any way again is what made her have the reaction that she ended up having. I think that's why she was just so appalled. I mean, she was talking to Jack about it on Friday, and I think she used the words um, disgusting and degrading. And that's sort of what cued me into her frame of mind because obviously she wants to have sex with Nick. We saw her going in for the butt squeeze during the power outage maybe three weeks ago. So we know she wants it. It's just a matter of the idea that she would exploit herself or be exploited sexually. I think that's what was propelling her reaction. I kind of wish that YNR would have circled that around on their own. I wish they wouldn't have made me have to connect those dots with no other indication because Phyllis had the conversation at the bar with Jack on Friday. It would have been perfect for her to have mentioned what happened with Marco, but I don't, unless I missed it, I don't think she did. Phyllis just, she was, you know, very offended. Uh, Jack had sort of made the insinuation that maybe she was a woman scorned when it came to Adam, and she denied it. She said, I have not and never will have any kind of sexual relationship with Adam Newman. I think that's BS. I mean, maybe that played a role in it, too. Maybe she was secretly pining for Adam, and then now here he would say something so flippant and, you know, just to say this to her. I mean, I don't know. I'm not sure I believe that she had no feelings for Adam. I just kind of wish that that conversation with Jack would have been a little more um, enlightening. I, he he was trying to be helpful to her. He, you know, she's... she's as a woman scorned in one way or another, getting ready to go hell-bent on revenge on Adam. Like, she's telling Jack through her little, her martini haze with the sl- lemon slices. They had the little swirly lemon slices down in those glasses that I thought were really pretty. She was telling Jack that Adam is not going to get away with this. She knows what his weaknesses are, and she is going to get him back. And Jack, made a really, really good, strong point that I think she heard, I hope she heard, that maybe it's time that Phyllis starts to focus a little less on revenge and a little more on herself because Phyllis has been focused on pretty much nothing but revenge for the better part of the past year, and look at where it's got her. Here. I can see where Phyllis is coming from, ultimately. At the point when Adam suggested this mutually beneficial arrangement to her, Phyllis thought they were actual friends. I really think Phyllis was banking on an actual camaraderie, a true friendship here. And when he said that to her, I think it made her feel like, oh, I'm just a tool in his toolbox and nothing more, and I will never be anything more. So she told him, you're not my friend. I'm seeing that now. You don't respect me or you wouldn't have asked me to do this. 
of course, he thought that he was, that she was overreacting. This is sort of on par with the type of suggestion that Adam Newman would make. He thought she was making a big deal over nothing. And I especially loved when he was trying to calm her down, acting like she was overreacting. And she goes, wait a minute, don't treat me like a hysterical female here. <laughs> oh, gosh, I really need to find a reason to have a hysterical reaction about something just so I can use this line. Wait a minute, don't treat me like a hysterical female. <laughs> it's such a weird thing to say, but I get it. Like that line, it just everything sort of came together and makes sense. And now I want to use it for myself. <laughs> I think his reaction to her reaction made her even angrier. Phyllis told Adam to his face that he was going to be sorry that he suggested this, that he did this to her. And she storms out of his penthouse, goes out to find Nick. She gets to society. She looks in, sees Nick standing at the bar, forgetting his wallet, like a lost puppy with no one there to hold his leash. And she just looks on at him. She sees him standing there all innocent and cute with his butt that she'd like to squeeze. And she just grabs some poor waitress who's off to the side, like having her night, like doing her job. And Phyllis forces this poor waitress to stand there while she pours her heart out to her. Oh, you see that man over there? That guy right there with the hot butt. Oh, I came here tonight to tell him about something that his brother did, something real bad that was going to rock his world that I was going to benefit from. But I, I'm, I'm not going to let that happen. I'm, I'm not going to do that to him. I am going to choose the high road, young waitress, for now. But just so you know, young waitress, for now I'm choosing the high road, but you never know what I'm going to do next time. I mean, whoa, TMI. <laughs> oh, I see. Admittedly, I mean, we were talking about this a little bit last week. That moment with the waitress did force me to hit a little bit of an oversaturation point with Phyllis. I love her. I love what Michelle Stafford is doing and bringing to the show. But in that moment, I was like, mm, something about this isn't right. Why did she need to tell this to a stranger? Like grabbing the waitress and talking to her about something the waitress doesn't know about. It was, that's to me is worse than a voiceover. <laughs> like what the hell kind of look was this poor waitress even supposed to put on her face when this is being said to her? <laughs> it, 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 it was, it was, it, it's only fun. It's only interesting because I'm making it funny in the aftermath. In the context of the show, it was dumb. Like the audience didn't need the narrative I would have rather have seen Phyllis turn around and walk away. That would have said it all. We know she was going there to see Nick. She could have seen him at the bar, looking at his bubble butt, turn around, have a look on her face, and then turn around and slowly walk out. We would have got the whole gist of what had happened there. Or she could have walked up to, to Nick and, and started the conversation, asked him how it was going, asked him how his dinner was. <sighs> And then, and then we could have seen her choosing not to tell him. Like, the whole Phyllis Noble speech to the waitress was overkill. And I need 
to be very careful when of getting into overkill territory when it comes to this rendition of the character. Please. <laughs> I need you to do that for me, YNR. Pull it back just a little bit. Because <laughs> that poor waitress was like, um, security? We have a hysterical female here. I loved that Chelsea went to Sharon for support with Connor when she learned that Connor was being kicked out of school. And then Sharon had the presence of mind to connect Chelsea with an attorney, Amanda. Great scene. Amanda's advice was very measured and very reasonable, too. It, it wasn't, okay, they let your son out of school unfairly. Let's lawyer up. We're going to fight this. She advised Chelsea to kind of drop it. I mean, that makes two cases that Amanda has turned down now. I honestly don't know how she's affording all of her coffees and drinking. Drinking ain't cheap. Where's she getting her money? <laughs> she's got no clients. Yeah, Amanda's advice to Chelsea was don't get offended. Just be open to the possibility that maybe the school is right. Maybe they're doing what is in Connor's best interest. Maybe Connor really does not need to be in school right now. Maybe Connor needs just the love and the support that can only come from two parents who are sleeping in the same bed <laughs> and then sleeping together. Connor really needs his parents to be sleeping together. And, you know, maybe you need to take that into consideration. Okay, well, she didn't say that last part. <laughs> but I think it was implied. <laughs> uh, I think that Amanda's very sound, very reasonable advice for Chelsea either means... That Amanda is a very honest, forthright individual who we as the audience are supposed to know. It's supposed to be a cue to us that she's an honest person. Or this advice means that she's totally crooked and she's not even a lawyer at all. I mean, she's turned down more cases than she's taken. Oh. Devon. And now Elena, too are both convinced of the latter, that Amanda is crooked, that Amanda, in Elena's words, is a very complicated woman with deep secrets who could be harmful, especially to Nate. Well, that is a leap. <laughs> it is a little bit of a leap. And Nate agreed. Uh, Nate, the, Devon and Elena are going to have to give Nate something a little more substantial than, than the information that they've given him at this point in order to change his opinion. And frankly, YNR is going to have to give me some more information that is substantial in order to keep me interested in this story. At this point, I feel like we're getting nothing but crumbs about Amanda still. And I'm hungry for the meal! Amanda reveals this week that she is an orphan which means that she is Hillary's long lost twin sister 
She said she never went looking for her parents. So that means that she will have no idea what hit her when this is all revealed. And I'm assuming that in the long run, the twin revelation is what Devon's green Amanda Sinclair folder is going to be leading to. Like, that's the punch of this storyline. And knowing this writing team, it is going to be months before we get there. (laughs) We are not going to actually find, we're not going to have the big gasp moment that Amanda is Hillary's twin sister until spring. I bet you that. We're going to be chasing breadcrumbs up until spring on this one to get to the punch, which is the obvious part of the story. We are going to be meandering around this whole, who is Ripley Turner? What's her connection to this restraining order ex-fiance thing? It's going to be, it's going to be weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks of that. Amanda's green folder of mystery. (laughs) I screen capped it. (laughs) It revealed that she has an ex-fiance named Ripley Turner. They both filed restraining orders against one another. Um, Character I don't know much about had a tumultuous relationship with another character that I know nothing about, who I've never seen, is completely off-screen. And then separately, Amanda gets a phone call that hangs up on her, and she was, she was spooked by it. I mean, you kind of get the gist. Like, okay, well, fine, she has some kind of abusive ex. All right. Well, you got to get give me something. Give me something more. I want to get to the Hillary twin part is what it all boils down to. Because after we get to the Hillary twin reveal part, then we can get to the full... Amanda, Devon, Elena, Triangle. That's the interesting part of the story, and I'm feeling impatient. (laughs) Devon is way too frustrated with Amanda for this to turn into anything but passion, and I'm ready for it. I mean, I've been waiting for the Devon and Hillary reunion is what it is. (laughs) She can call herself Amanda all she wants, but she's always going to be Hillary to me. (laughs) I honestly would have rather have just gone down the route of realizing that she was actually Hillary because then I would uh, I would it would be easier for me every week I struggle to not call Amanda Hillary it would have just been easier on me if she would have been Hillary who was held hostage against her will or some blah 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 other reason insert other reason for the twin twist but I just want to get there. I want to see Devon and Amanda having their first passionate kiss. I mean, he was hunting her down this week, getting aggressive with her, kind of threatening her, saying that he was going to blacklist her in town and probably beyond. He's going to hurt her business. She's not taking any cases anyway. (laughs) I don't think it's going to hurt her. She's turning down cases left and right. She obviously don't need the business. Uh, You know, I think that a really good and probably best observation of this whole situation 
for the week came from Nate. Nate was talking to Elena about the whole mess, and he told her, um, you need to be encouraging your boyfriend to just let this go. Because hanging on to that Amanda Sinclair green mystery folder is just forcing him to hold on even longer to his unresolved feelings for Hillary. Has it occurred to you, Elena, that Devon is looking for an excuse to not let go when it comes to Amanda? Yeah. Yeah, it sure has. It has most definitely already occurred to Elena, although she looked like it was a big shock to her. But in her her subconscious, she already knows it. Elena has seemed very bothered by Devon's obsession with Hillary and then with Amanda. I mean, first of all, Devon told Elena this week that he was going to be more open with her. He was going to be a better boyfriend. He was going to be the kind of partner that she deserved. He was, it was going to be nothing but honesty from him from here on out in order to save their relationship. And then the very first thing he did was turn around and then not be honest with her, not open up to her. He hid that green Amanda Sinclair folder file from Victor right, right up under the bar. She found it stashed there. And she didn't get mad at him about it, but I think it's only because she decided after looking at it that she had better just jump onto this bandwagon with him or else she is going to get left behind. It is either be there right by his side in whatever he needs or she's done. She's out. The relationship's over. So she chose to join with torches going after Amanda. I think, you know, I think that's the part that is good about it. I think that it's going to be fun to see Elena and Devon and their relationship put to the stress test. We've already seen little threads of Elena's poise starting to unravel, starting to go away. I mean, she's been so preoccupied this week with everything that is going on with Devon and his life that she almost misdiagnosed a patient. Okay, well, that's a big deal. Elena is so preoccupied with Devon and his whole mess with Amanda that she is sleepy and stressed all the time at work. She's pulling double, triple shifts probably just to avoid it. And frankly, I am worried what this could mean for all of the patients at Genoa City Memorial Hospital now. Friend. A person whom one knows and shares a mutual bond exclusive of sex. Okay. Okay, Billy. Well, let me read you another definition, Billy. Rationalization. The action of attempting to explain or justify a behavior or an attitude with logical reasons, even if these are not appropriate. I am not saying that Billy and Amanda know what they're about to do. But if we are talking 
when Harry met Sally here, man and woman friendships, Harry and Sally ended up together in the end. Friendship is how it starts. Victor made sure to mention this week that Billy and Victoria, although together, are not married. Plus, Nate made sure to mention this week that he and Amanda are not a couple. Plus, Y&R went to great lengths this week to establish <laughs> that Billy and Amanda's friendship is not a romance. No, no, no. It is friendship, friendship, friendship. Not an affair, not an affair, not an affair. Okay, well, that makes me think it's an affair, officially. <laughs> I'm sorry, who the hell feels the need to send a text message with the definition of friend to a friend? If you're a friend, you're just a friend. You don't feel the need to define it and go out of your way. That is rationalization. That is front end. That sounds like some beating around the bush, in denial, see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil, affair kind of talk. <laughs> Amanda straight up asked Billy this week. If he was hanging around her because he was hoping to strike up an affair and he denied it and it was a super cute, funny little scene. <sighs> but I'm starting to get uncomfortable vibes. What's it's it's there's a lot of cheater behavior going on here with Billy. He tells Victoria that he got a job in Chicago but I haven't seen him taking any interviews. I haven't seen him making any job-related phone calls. I haven't seen him take any trips to Chicago. So I'm not even sure that there is a job in Chicago. It sounds to me like telling Victoria that he's got a job in Chicago out of town sounds like he's just buying himself some more time to be out prowling. Billy is playing the part of the dutiful husband at home. And then he is stepping out behind Victoria's back. And he's justifying it by saying, it's not wrong if it's just friendship and just beers and everything's fine. But you're stepping out behind your wife's back and you're lying to her about it. I did really, I'm still kind of liking the, voiceovers at this point I thought it was a really really clever little moment when Billy said to himself that he's acting this is his life and he's an actor inside of it and he calls himself a bad actor I Jason Thompson must be just loving that because that that's cool I like that kind of um it's very meta you know uh but he, you know, he comes home and he, he, he has these illusions of trying to be a good husband. Like, is he really a dutiful husband? Is he really, really? Because he has this idea that he, he is going to do this big romantic gesture and whisk Victoria away to Chicago for an evening to have some romance. But come on, he knew that she wasn't going to go. He knew that she wasn't going to agree to just whisk away to Chicago on a whim one night in the evening. She's a CEO. 
She has a full-time job. She has responsibilities. You got two kids. She probably has a full day of meetings tomorrow. Yet he invites her on this trip so that he, he can then be reaffirmed in his poor me attitude. She said she couldn't go. You kind of designed it that way, though, didn't you? I think the truth is that Billy would rather be anywhere than with Victoria. Victoria represents picking yourself up, doing your job, doing the right thing, succeeding and excelling. And he would rather sit in the mud and make mud pies. (sighs) His idea of romance this week. was putting a bow on the remote control and going out for a beer. I mean, now look, that sounds romantic to me, but (laughs) this is a soap opera. You seriously put a remote control and wrapped it up, put a bow on it, told her her that was your present. She lapped it up. Oh, she's like, oh, this is lovely. He wants me to sit on the couch alone. (laughs) How romantic. I feel sorry for Victoria. I feel like there's some weird, again, there's some weird implication that she's not doing enough to help him because she'll have to occasionally go off and take a phone call or she's got a late night meeting or whatever. But no, that's not how I see it at all. I think Victoria has given him so many opportunities to open up more than once. She's trying to build him up. She's trying to give him confidence. That's the whole essence of their relationship, her picking him up out of the gutter. And she said to him this week, I'm so proud of you. You've come a long way from the guy that I had to pull up out of the gutter. She said something to the effect of, you know, I I knew that that together, finally, you were going to become the person that I knew you could be. And what the hell's so wrong with that? What the hell's so wrong about pulling yourself up out of the gutter? I mean, you need that. And it's just Billy still mentally and emotionally is there because he likes it. Sometimes it feels a little better just to sulk. Sometimes it's, it's easier. That's why so many people do it. It's easier. It's harder to try. And I, I don't know why he's not, if he, you know, he loves, if he loves Victoria, if he actually loves Victoria, couldn't she be helpful to him? Couldn't he be reaching out to her to get her advice and get her help uh, to, to, like she did before? Couldn't Victoria help him <laughs> to reconcile the two sides of his personality that are still going on here? I mean, she did it in the boathouse. Why can't she do it again now? Victor called Billy a house husband. (laughs) Oh, a house husband. And he said it with a little bit of disdain. (laughs) Victor is more of a 40-foot yacht husband, (laughs) isn't he? Actually, no, Victor is more of a I'll be at the office for the next 40 years husband. Don't expect to see me. I'll be building my company, my empire from the ground up. That's the kind of husband Victor is. You know, it was great to see Victor stopping by Newman Enterprises this week to visit Victoria. It was just like his visit last week to Jabot. I couldn't help but see Victor 
looking around, peering around the room, peeking at folders, curious about the action that's going on there, but also showing restraint and respect for Victoria's um, leadership. She's the leader of this yacht now. The yacht reference felt significant to me somehow. I seem to remember Eric Braden writing in his book uh, something about uh, 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 he did some boat racing or something. Um, I don't. It wasn't a yacht. It's something like a I don't know. He's boating or canoeing or something. He he he's so he's a sportsman, uh, Eric Braden. And so I think I feel like he must have loved that comment. He's gonna get a forty foot yacht though soon. Is that small? That doesn't that doesn't seem that big. I feel like I the only yacht I know is on Bold and the Beautiful. Bill has a yacht and it's huge. And Billy had the yacht, right? Was that was was Jabot a yacht? I don't believe it or not. I don't know anything about yachts. <laughs> I'm just not a not a yacht girl. <laughs> Prefer to have my two feet on the ground anyway. <laughs> but you know, the one thing I certainly do know is that Victor misses his business. His business was like his other child. In many ways, it was like Victor's most beloved child. And he did ask Victoria this week, oh, is New, you know, is being the CEO of Newman Enterprises, is it making you as happy as it made me for all of those years? And she said, yes, yes. Every day I feel as if I'm living my dream. And I know Billy sees that. I know he's, he, he's intuitive about that. I mean, for the first time in a long time, Victoria, who's been through a lot, she is, she's realized her dreams. She's getting everything that she wants. And I, I know that Billy loves her um, in his way. I think he needs a more mature, more developed version of love. But I know that he loves her. And I know that he doesn't want to ruin her happiness or complicate that for her. But his inability to communicate is also putting a wedge between them. I think Billy is not trusting Victoria enough to handle him, to handle any challenges that he might be going through if he needs help. I mean, ultimately, a relationship where only one of the people is happy cannot last for long. Just ask Victor and Nikki. Theo has been hard at work trying to prove himself to the company, at Jabot, but also, I think, trying to prove himself to the Abbott family. Right in the middle of a debriefing session with co-CEO at-large Jack Abbott, Kyle walks in and announces that Theo has missed a big meeting with a crucial client. And Jack was not happy about it at all. Uh, Jack gave Theo a, a stern talking to about it. He had a he had a, a, a raised eyebrow. <laughs> That's for sure. And it, it it made Theo look bad, but it it was almost as if it was designed to make Kyle look good because Kyle is telling this in front of everyone that Theo messed up. Very happy to let everybody know that Theo messed up. And also, Kyle is boasting that as, as the new co-CEO of Chabot, he was able to step in and save face with this client. 
But then Theo jumps up and he, he jumps on the phone and he calls the client and he fixes everything. He offers to take this client to that sweet reggae concert tonight. <laughs> He's going to take this guy on a reggae concert date to close the deal, man. <laughs> I love Theo. I love Theo so much. And I love this story. The, everything that's developed between Kyle and Theo and making Theo and Abbott and the whole, the, the whole fazang. It's my favorite story of the year. That's what I think. It's just, it's been so good. It's been so well written and so well um, developed. And we're getting the payoff of, of the rivalry now. And I'm just loving it. I mean, immediately Theo thought that Kyle did something to sabotage his meeting so that he could make Theo look bad, make himself look good. Um, Theo was very confident that this meeting was supposed to be tomorrow. There's no way that he made this mistake. He's been very meticulous about it. Um, even Summer seemed a little suspicious of Kyle. You know, she, she didn't seem to believe that he actually did anything to set Theo up. But at the very least, she did have a talk with Kyle afterwards after the fire was put out and she told him that he was being a little bit of a brat about it at the very least he's he, he's being a brat and he could be choosing to be a better leader for Theo instead of playing these games and supposedly stooping to Theo's level whatever that means I, I, you know, I gotta ask you do you guys think that Kyle did sabotage the meeting for Theo? I mean, I don't know. I think it would be kind of great, actually, if YNR went to the trouble of planting that seed last week about Theo rifling around with the papers on Jack's desk. It would be great if they sort of made us suspicious of Theo last week by giving us that scene only to do the switcheroo and reveal that Kyle was the one who was up to the shady business. That would be good, but I don't know if that's the case. I did ask you guys last week if you thought that Theo is up to something shady. 82% <laughs> of you said, yep, he's a shadester. I don't trust him. Oh, <laughs> I, I'm in the minority on this one. I was with the 18% uh, the that said Theo has gone legit. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think that Theo seems to me to be doing a legit job for Jabot. Now, when it comes to Lola, maybe that will turn out to be a different story. <laughs> maybe maybe Theo is going to be doing something shady when it comes to Kyle's personal relationship, uh, but maybe not so much with business. Well, I mean, if you think about it, the only way, since, since Theo and Summer have broken up, the only way that Kyle can sabotage Theo the only power that Kyle has over Theo is at Jabot. Whereas with Theo being Kyle's underling, the only power that he would have to sabotage Kyle would be with his personal relationship. So those are where the, you know, those are where the power struggles uh, are. Um, I don't know. I, I, I'm not sure that I think anything that's happening is happening for shady reasons. It seems almost organic in a way. I mean, there's just been so much extra marital bonding going on this week all over the place. 
I don't know if any of it's strategic. Kyle and Summer are having their late night Chinese and pizza marketing blitz together, complete with Summer making this uncomfortable, goofy phone call to Lola, telling Lola that her husband, tell your husband to come home. Don't tell me what my husband needs, okay? That would have been my reaction. (laughs) I wouldn't have liked it. If I was Lola, um, but it was a video call. So when Kyle and Lola started talking, L- Kyle was able to see that Lola wasn't exactly alone at society. Theo was right there with her on the flip side, <laughs> working on his jabojis. <laughs> I love that name. It's, it's as good as jabot. I love that. That's well done. Uh, yes, the, the Theo and Lola seem to have kind of a mutual creative vibe going on. He's there working on his jabojis. And also Lola's deciding to make him, in turn, her guinea pig for new recipes that she wants to put on the menu at society. So she serves him up like four different plates to try and rate. And spoiler alert, Theo loves everything she cooks. Protein. I am down with that. That was our who said it quote from last week. Protein. I am down with that. Seems a, seems a little appropriate considering it's Christmas week. And I, like we have the, in my family, we have the exact same freaking meal at Thanksgiving that we have at Christmas. I'm so sick of it by that point. It's turkey and ham. Turkey and ham. Turkey and ham. Turkey and ham. We eat it twice a year and it's like two within weeks of each other. And it's just like, you know, over the course of 20 years, I'm over turkey and ham. <laughs> I don't know. I'm always, Why am I complaining about all the food this week or this year? I think it's that I secretly just want to do, I want to host is what it is. I kind of secretly want to hostess. But I ain't making no turkey and ham. If I'm hostessing, uh, if I'm hostessing Christmas or Thanksgiving or anything else, I'm going to do a best of alley dishes. All the dishes that get rave reviews throughout the year, that's what I'm putting on the table. You're going to get my Italian beef. Um, You're going to get, oh, maybe I'll, I do a pretty good fried ramen noodle. I know it's not, it's not traditional, but I do, it's good. I do a good chicken and dumpling. Um, I, I frankly, I quite like my meatloaf. Like I'm doing all of the stuff that people seem to like that I do and it's pick and choose and have a little bit of this, a little bit of that. That's how I do it. Not a turkey or a ham in sight, but plenty of protein. <laughs> Especially there would be some eggs in my, my fried egg ramen. Um, and that takes me back to our quote for the week. It was Adam who said it. He was uh, talking about Chelsea's mandatory scrambled egg breakfast that uh, Connor's going to have to have from now on. <laughs> kind of a funny moment. I like these weird apropos of nothing. Uh, but uh, quite a few people guessed that it was Adam. Didn't sound like it was going to be something that came out of Adam's mouth. But Shakona 
Nia, Jamie, Sheila, Henry, Nancy, Martha, Jillian, Ambreen, and Nancy again, double Nancy. <laughs> you guys all got it right. <laughs> Congratulations. Here's another one. I don't know. I've never heard this before. Bull and bluster. Bull and bluster. Bull and bluster. Bull and bluster. I don't know. They just stuck out at me this week. Who said bull and bluster? Is that a saying that you've heard before? All bull and bluster. Who, who said it? <laughs> Have you heard it? And who said it? Go to yrchat.com to leave your guess, and if you get it right, I will give you your shout-out on next week's YNR Chat. I just got off track thinking about <laughs> fried egg ramen. <laughs> I got to get back on track here. Let's get to your comments. You guys are pretty good at pulling me back. Sandra says, Dear Santa, all I want for Christmas is an Amanda and Hillary twin twist, a Chance and Abby kiss, a Nick and Chelsea crash and burn, and a cane return. And Santa, if it's not too much to bring, a Nate and Elena fling. Oh, we have some Christmas poetry there from Sandra. Well, you know I love this. This is fantastic, especially the cane return part, the candy cane for Christmas. That's what I want in my stocking. <laughs> a Nate and Elena fling. That's got to happen. Absolutely. This is, it's, a, it's the quadrant. It does feel, doesn't it feel like Weiner pulled back on Nate and Amanda? I mean, Nate is doing a whole lot of defending of Amanda, but we're not seeing them together. They're spending less time together. Amanda is spending all of her time with Billy. So I'm not sure. But, oh, yes, a chance in Abby kiss. You got your early Christmas present on that one. <laughs> Chance and Abby had their first date this week, and they sealed it with a kiss. I like it. I mean, I don't know what to say other than I like it. I think the chemistry's there. I'm looking forward to seeing where it's going. I mean, interestingly, Abby also reestablished her relationship with Nate. Um, she, you know, she, she said, you know, let's be friends. I like you. You like me. Just because it didn't work out for our relationship doesn't mean we can't still have our friendship. That's, that's so unusual, especially in Soapland. The exes are kind of becoming instant friends. Well, Sandra also says in other news, I, I, I feel like I'm missing so much with these preemptions. I don't think that us chatters are all even on the same episode, or are we? No, we are not. And I'm not happy about it. I need everybody to get back on the same page. I can deal with Canada being one episode ahead. I will give you that, Canada. I'm not going to be mad at you. You deserve it. You've earned it. But you guys are like three episodes ahead right now. I'm, it, I'm get, it's real obvious for me to see who's, in, who's Canadian at this point. 
Because you guys are commenting on episodes that are like three down the line that we haven't seen here in the U.S. So it is not just you. It is me too. Um, The last episode I saw on Friday, I guess that would have been, yeah, Phyllis and, and, and Jack and all that. But I mean, it sounds like there's all kinds of stuff coming down the pike that I just haven't got there yet. It's driving me nuts. I only had one, I had four episodes this week. I think only Wednesday's show was preempted. And I'm not sure, if, is YNR going to end up editing some of these episodes to make them shorter so that they can still align everything with Christmas? I don't know what's coming next week. I don't know if there are more preemptions to come, but I guess so, right? I don't know. <sighs> I want my universe to be restored. I think it is very rude to preempt soap operas and I'd like it to stop. Yeah, I mean in other the US is behind news, Shakona says Theo is so Dutch. Not only his last name, but I'm glad they referred to some Dutch traditions like the Oli Bolin. They are so delicious. See, now I this sounds amazing and I can't wait to get there, but I haven't seen it. I have no idea. I I uh, I I did not know I did not know Theo is Dutch. I find that very hot for some reason. <laughs> I I've, I've not seen this dish, Oli Bolin. Um, I I I need to know this. Uh, I I tell you, I'm looking forward to this. Um, sounds like Theo is bringing a dish, perhaps to the Abbott family gathering. I'm guessing. Um, well, you know, and I guess I'll have to say it in advance. Thank you, YNR, because I love that they apparently are going to be injecting some world Christmas culture and cuisine into the the scene. I think that's very very cool. Hey, speaking of Christmas, this was the week of the Christmas trees. I don't know if you guys were honed in on this or what, but like we got more sets popping up that were decorated for Christmas. And specifically, I was noticing all of the different trees. Every set has a beautiful tree. I wonder if the actors come into the sets and it's like a beautiful surprise for them. Because obviously they have these sect decorators doing their thing with the ribbons and the bows and the rays and the trays and the balls and the whole shebang. And I bet the actors come onto the scene for the first time and it's like, oh, this is really nice. Because it's so striking. It's so beautiful. I mean, oh, visually. We talked about a couple of trees last week, but I got to tell you, I loved Devon's gold and yellow tree. There was a really pretty screenshot of him and Elena kissing while the tree is kind of off to the side and I just I love like Devon's condo is, has very cool colors it's very purple uh, and white and I thought that the gold and yellow tree really warmed up the whole condo it was just beautiful oh and yes I did see Devon's shelf of his family photos there was a big picture of Catherine in the middle there's a picture of Malcolm and Neil and then there was a picture of I think he and Lily so that was nice and I noticed it um, I think Nick's house it's it, Nick's house kind of started to be decorated last week, but I just noticed this week that he had a very traditional green tree uh, with, with uh, uh, red balls. <laughs> yeah, green tree, red balls, very traditional for Nick. He has the kids. He had his stockings hung on his LED faux fireplace. I thought that was cute. But I will tell you right now, the first prize for best tree this whole year for me was Adam. Who could believe it? But Adam pulled out the best Christmas tree at the very end. Last week, it was just 
pine garland up the staircase. This week he had this big, beautiful copper and bronze decorated tree. This thing had movement. It had life. It was a work of art. If you didn't see it, go back and look at it. Copper and bronze on that tree. There was little hints of maybe ivory just to kind of bring, make it, to lighten it up a little bit. But that tree, uh, it looked like a giant pine cone, but glittered, but shiny, cone, a metallic pine cone. <laughs> oh, it was gorgeous. It, that's the tree I want. Cause I like, you know me, I like brown. <laughs> I like beige. I like tan. I like copper. So that tree was right up my alley. That's the one I want. He had copper wreaths on the door too. Ugh. It was beautiful. I love Christmas in Genoa City. Did you guys see anything else that I'm missing? Or were there other trees that I missed? Or were there other decorations that I didn't mention? Let me know this week. Speaking of Christmas again, Diana says, I am realizing that two big companies like Jabot and Newman don't have Christmas parties. I never really thought about it before, but that could bring some excitement to the show. I know big companies sometimes have, you know, the workers' kids go to the celebrations. Connor could do something very mischievous or bad at the party for some drama. <sighs> Why do they not listen to us? Because this is like the greatest suggestion ever. Why have we never had a Jabot or Newman Christmas party that I can remember? Maybe there's been one in previous years, but it's not ringing any bell for re me right now. I mean, at the at the end of the day, we, we have no sense of the companies right now. Victor's office at Newman Enterprises has no action. It's just sometimes Victoria's sitting behind the desk. <laughs> having smooch time with Billy or getting advice from Victor. That's all we've seen. There's no real action at Newman. All of the action is at Jabot, and all we really have are the main office and the hallway. We need a second office at Jabot. If that's where all of the drama is going to be, we need the second office at Jabot. And yes, a Christmas party is an excellent idea. As always, Diana. Well, um, on that poll, I asked you if you think that Theo is up to shady business. Jamie said she voted no, but I do think that he'll go back to his old ways if everyone keeps treating him like a criminal. Why behave if you're going to remain a pariah no matter how legit and honest you are? Yeah. I mean, that's kind of, that's sort of Adam's trajectory too. Why be honest if everybody's just going to assume that you're a scumbag? Um, of course, he's still done some scummy things. Yeah, I haven't seen any hints of of Theo being bad, but I think you're right. I think if people continue to push him and assume that he's a baddie, then what's the incentive to not be a baddie? Maybe the love of Lola? Mmm. <laughs> you know, Daisy says she thinks that Summer might have sabotaged that meeting to make Theo look bad. In part, as revenge for him breaking up with her, but also to help Kyle have a Theo-free work life. Oh, so you think Summer did... Somebody did something, I feel. I hadn't thought about Summer, but I did, th I did think maybe Jack had something to do with it. Because after that meeting, Jack and Summer talked to each other out in the hallway of Chabot. And Jack made a comment about how this is going to be a test for Kyle. 
the fact that the, the, working with Theo and these other little things, wrenches, monkey wrenches, go, getting thrown into the ju-ju-ju-ju, uh, he said he thinks that this is going to end up being a, a, cha- a, cha- a test. He called it a test for Kyle. And I thought to myself, is there any way that Jack was working with this client and said, you know, I'm testing my CEO. Can we throw a monkey wrench in here and see how they perform? I mean, it's it, it could be revealed. That could be revealed. I mean, anybody could. Kyle said, when, when Theo asked him about it, Kyle said, do you really think I would do anything to sabotage my own family's company? No, you did it. You missed the meeting. But I don't know. It could have been done without sabotage. Or it could have been done without putting the company in any danger. I think it's possible somebody did something. I, but I think it's also more possible that we're never really going to know. Superplex says, I so much want to see Theo sleep with Lola. (laughs) Yeah, I think you're not alone in that. Leslie says, I do too. And I think it will be happening more likely than Summer and Kyle. Remember how quick Lola was to kiss Fen last New Year's Eve to make Kyle jealous? I see her making an incorrect assumption about Kyle and Summer and retaliating with Theo. Theo may even instigate the assumption. So Theo tries to make it look like something's inappropriate. What's going on with Summer and Kyle? He leads Lola into seeing it. And then Lola is so incensed that she, her lips just fly up. They fly up to meet Theo's. They have a kiss. <laughs> they fall down onto the floor. They make love. They make babies. The end. <laughs> Everybody's happy. Kyle's with Summer. Lola's with Theo. Bada bing, bada boom. I think it is probably, um, I feel like, yeah, I think it's possible. If, if somebody's going to cheat and something's going to happen, yeah, I think it would probably happen between Theo and Lola before it would happen with Kyle and Summer. What do you think? Because I'm, yeah, I'm not, even though Kyle and Summer are getting along and they seem to like each other. I mean, there was a moment where Kyle was telling Summer how invaluable she was, how much he really liked having her there. But somehow I'm not picking up romance as much in that coupling as I am with Theo and Lola. I don't know. Who's going to break first, if anyone? (laughs) These naughty children. Leslie also says, it turned my stomach seeing Nick and Chelsea post-coitus. I always have to look away from them. (laughs) Her love means nothing when she can devastate the so-called one's love of her life, Adam, by being with his brother in his face after he comes back from the dead. The dead that was caused by her BFF that she forgave quicker than Adam for doing nothing. Roar. Disgusting. <laughs> you have to look away. I would, I wish, I want a picture of that, Leslie. I want a picture of you just, oh, and then looking away. <laughs> just can't bear to stomach Nick and Chelsea together. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't, I'm, they're not my favorite couple, I will say that, but I, I don't have to, I, I can bear to look at them. Um. Oh, yeah, so you're probably going to vote that you want to see Chelsea and and Adam, or maybe not at this point. But you have to pick. Do not wishy-washy me. 
and you have to pick Nick and Chelsea or Adam and Chelsea. Which would you rather see if it if you were held down, which you are, figuratively right now by me, and you have to pick. <laughs> it's a, it's a valid point. Absolutely, absolutely. Laura says, "Why would Phyllis be so affronted by Adam? His proposal was within his expected behavior parameters." Yeah, I think that I think Lionard didn't do a good job of explaining Phyllis's reaction exactly. I can understand it because I know the character and I know where she's probably coming from, but Lionar could have filled in the blanks a little bit better on that. Sherrod says, I am so right there with Phyllis. Even if she did want to get with Nick, for Adam to approach her in that manner and then not see the difference between that and teaming up to go after Victor, it's beyond words to me. Then again, the true Adam Newman has to emerge at some point. Mm. Zuperplex says, cold, Adam, cold. Phyllis deserves the right to be flabbergasted even though we knew that these two were going to end up together for a while now. <laughs> Daisy says, I now hope that Phyllis finds out what Adam and Chance were up to. Chance did something, and Adam helped him. I wonder if it has anything to do with Amanda, or worse, Chance helping Colin steal from Devon. I hope that's not true. It's likely, though, that Chance needed help when he was undercover, but the help from Adam was not lawful. Whatever it is, though, Phyllis needs to be careful. I kind of want to believe that Chance was behind Devon losing his money. Is that bad? I'm waiting for the twist on Chance. I hope it doesn't ruin his ability to snuggle up with Abby this holiday season. I have a feeling those two are going to be ringing in the new year. Harry and Sally style. <laughs> Gary says, why aren't the townspeople throwing out the possibility of a Hillary Amanda separated at birth twin twist? It should be the first thing on their minds. It's one thing to be a pretty young person who looks just like someone else. But when you throw in the exact same speaking voice, the mannerisms, height, weight, you get the idea. You know something is up. <laughs> at least we can say that the two don't share the same hair. <laughs> That's the only difference between Hillary and Amanda is the hair. I feel like I don't like Amanda's hair. <laughs> but it's, it's a good question. Why hasn't it at least occurred to Billy that Amanda might be a Hillary to, twin? Billy said he, know, he knew Hillary. He liked Hillary. So he, he's the one who knows that Amanda is an orphan. A bell should have at least gone off in his head. It's a little too much suspension of disbelief, <laughs> but we'll see. Chris says, I haven't put much thought into what's going on with Billy until listening to the YNR chat, but what if his meds are making him feel like this? I know when I was on antidepressants after my mom passed, I remember feeling very much that, mm, is this all there is feeling while on them? Just throwing that out there. Yes, it's very possible. Maybe Billy is on medication and maybe it's making him feel like he's in kind of a numbed, foggy 
state. Um, I don't know. Why in our went to the trouble of getting him into therapy, but then they didn't discuss any medications that he's either on or off or should be on and, and is off. Um, it's, it's, they should be talking about his medication. When they took Sharon to the edge, they at least diagnosed her as bipolar and then had a, a part of the continuity be whether or not, whether or not she was on her medication. They haven't done that with Billy. Yeah, I think I think why I, I like the essence of the story, but I don't think Weiner's done a super duper bang up job of explaining the story. Well, Chris also says, as for my three sexy ladies, it would have to be Phyllis number one, Christine number two. And Ashley, number three. Oh, yes. I asked you guys last week to give me your top three sexy soap opera ladies. I feel like I I had, I had answered on the spot, and I almost kind of want to revise. I didn't think about, of Ashley. But, I mean, putting Christine in there is also really good because that woman, she looks great. <laughs> and Phyllis. I, I like Phyllis. I think Phyllis is definitely very sexy and slinky. Our gorgeous dragon lady. <laughs> Kamna agrees. Kamna says, my three hottest female stars are hands down number one Phyllis. It's how she carries herself. Yes, yes. It's all in how she carries herself. I do. I feel you there. But number two in the middle-aged range, um, Kamna says it's a tie between Sharon and Amanda slash Hillary. And then in the younger um, category, uh, it's a tie between Summer and Lola. They both have such different types of sex appeal. I know. You know what? Lola is so gorgeous, too. She is. A, I mean, she is a stunner. She's, she, could be a, she must be a model, surely. Her lips are so full and her hair is so shiny and her eyes are so big and bright. And I am so mad at myself for forgetting last week to say Amanda, because I think Michelle Morgan is probably one of the most beautiful women in all of daytime history. Like she, maybe, you know, maybe I'm being, you find that an overstatement, but like she's mesmerizing. She's flawless. Her face, her makeup, everything. But you know what it is? It's the hair. It throws me off. And the other thing is, I guess, I guess a lot of it is styling too, because I, I, immediately when I got done recording why in our chat last week, I thought, why didn't I say Hil Amanda? And it's because Amanda's not Hillary. Amanda is always styled in black. She's always got on like a black suit and a white shirt. And I don't like the hair. It's just choppy bang. And I, I was such a fan more of Hillary's styling. I loved Hillary's curly, bouncy hair. And then, of course, she, she was always wearing something fabulous and amazing. So that's what it is for me. Like, well, I think maybe that's part of the reason I want to get on with this part of the story because it's like Amanda's darker and more bland and more black. And I want to get back to the Hillary. The whole point of bringing her back was the fans liked her as Hillary. I, I, I would like her to maybe be a little more Hillary-like. <laughs> then I can put her on my list. Ellen picked Sharon, Phyllis, and Chelsea, saying that they are the most naturally beautiful. You know, about I gotta say about Chelsea, she has the most sparkly eyes. She is the most screen capable 
of of all these women. I am telling you, I, I find myself screen capping Chelsea a lot. <laughs> Because her eyes just like, they light up. There's something in her eyes, the, the lights hit them, and she just gives face. And it's just, she's so beautiful. I feel that way about Sharon, too. Uh, so Chelsea is a good pick. Sheila picked Lola, Chelsea, and Abby. Well, actually, Sheila said she picked Chelsea when Chelsea's not crying. <laughs> and Abby. Um... Well, Chelsea, I think part, I think she's extra beautiful when she cries. She cries well. That's the other thing about Chelsea. She gets her eyes well up and then it's double, double sparkle lights. And then the tears well down and it's a whole big mess of beautiful. Abby is also a good choice. Melissa Ordway is very good. And I always do like her fashion choices too. Zuperplex says, you might not be surprised to hear that my choices were exactly the same as yours. Number one, Summer. Number two, Sharon. Number three, Lauren. You know, Superplex, I thought you would have put Lauren first. I, I know you you are a Lauren fan, and I did think of you when I said Lauren, um, but because you kind of share my Lauren love there, but I think, uh, I think she should have been in your top spot. <laughs> I think she would be offended that she wasn't in your top spot. Very rude of you, really. <laughs> Superplex also had some honorable mentions. I don't even think I'm going to know some of these. No, Superplex picked Fiona, number one, the department store executive that Billy was busily trying to woo for brash and sassy. Fiona, Fiona. Why don't I remember this? Was this when brash and sassy was in the basement of Jabao? I can't remember Fiona. The name rings a bell. Oh, Juliet. Also, gets an honorable mention, the mother of Kane's son, Sam. She, yeah, she did, she did, she was beautiful. She was. Um, Sam, the female queen, no, the female drug queen pin with whom Dylan was forced out of his sworn duty to sleep with. Yeah, I kind of do remember Sam. Was that her name, Sam? Something. She had an alternative vibe to her. Uh, and then Jesse, the female physical therapist who was hired after Kane broke his foot playing basketball with his then 10-year-old son, Charlie. <laughs> I do remember that Kane had a sexy therapist. I don't remember exactly. I can't, maybe I do. <laughs> I have a feeling on the back end, maybe Lily didn't like Kane's sexy therapist all that much, as she shouldn't. And Laura says, subscribed, weekly digest. Get one full week of YNR chat updates delivered to your inbox on Sunday. Subscribed. <laughs> oh, yes. What is this all about? Well, let me tell you. I used my preemption time wisely you guys, and I decided to do some updates and some refreshings and some news and some improvements to the website this week at yrchat.com. The first and foremost thing I did was I added an option to where you can subscribe to a weekly digest of all of the posts at yrchat.com. I just thought, you know, that would be kind of nice for people who maybe don't check in every day. Just like sign up 
I'm sending it on Sundays at around one or two central time. And then you'll get an update to your email inbox when the new YNR chat's posted. Uh, it'll also include the, a link to the poll, a link to the quote, and a couple of the photo captions from the week. And I just thought that might be a little convenient and a nice way to stay in touch. Um, so if you want to subscribe to that, go to yrchat.com. Laura, it, it's a double opt-in. You're not fully subscribed yet. You got to check your spam box because what you'll do is enter in your email and your email into the website and then you got to go to your email and confirm your email and, and opt in and say yes I actually do want this email so I'm only sending it once a week it's not a spam thing it's literally just kind of a synopsis of what's going on at the site if you're at the site every day maybe you don't need it but I thought that it would be something nice for the uh, the people who aren't there every week. And in fact, I would love to get your feedback about the website this week. Um, I tend to view it on the back end, so I'm usually looking at things a little differently, and I use it completely differently than everyone else does. So uh, please feel free to go there and let me know uh, what you'd like to see. If you're encountering any problems at all, um, you know, if the page is loading slow or you can't find something that you're looking for, let let me know. In fact, Tony had mentioned this week that she was having trouble finding the uh, photo, the the quote in the poll, and I took that feedback and I added a new spot where those can be found all week. Because it's like, but I mean, it's so active there every single day that by the time Wednesday or Thursday rolls around, anything that we had on Sunday is buried. <laughs> so I had to find a way to um, highlight those a little better, and I did. Um, I also added some enhanced features to the comment section that just make commenting there a little bit easier. Um, you can, if you want, register for a, an account with YNR chat and then it just makes um, you, you can actually create a profile you can uh, sign in really easily there's a couple different features that are going to be there uh, in the coming weeks so again just trying to make it a little more user friendly and a little bit more fun hopefully you'll find that overall the site loads a little bit faster I mean I've got I I upload probably a dozen 15 20 <laughs> photo captions every single day. It's ridiculous. I realize that it's an obsession. And as I watch YNR and I'm like backing up, like, oh no, I gotta get this specific look that this person gave, I realize that it's like me being crazy. And then I got uploaded all to the site. I don't even know if any of you guys even look at it. Does anybody even care about the photo captions beside me? I don't know, but I need to do it. <laughs> But all of these image files are huge and it can lag the site. And so I tried really hard to make things a, a little bit lighter this week. But, you know, I don't want to get rid of anything you do like. And I'm, I'm totally open if uh, there's anything else you want me to add. So if you go to yrchat.com, once again, you can create an account to be able to. You don't need to. Um, but it makes commenting a little bit easier and you, it gives you an opportunity to upload a picture and tell us about yourself and do a profile and all that stuff. You can um, create an account. You can sign up for the weekly digest. You can take the comment section for a spin. I mean, at the end of the day, I think what I'm really wanting is uh, just for everybody to find it very easy to leave comments there because that, that's first and foremost where I 
tend to check for the conversations just because it's easiest for me. It's like, oh, boom, right there, copy, paste. Um, so please feel free to go there. Take it all for a test spin. Let me know what you think. <laughs> and uh, I, will, I will continue on with my mission to improve the site. The thing is, I had a little bit of extra time this week, especially with those preemptions. And I, you know, I got to tell you, even though I have prepped for the entire year for it, I don't know that I'm going to be able to pull off the 2019 YNR chat year end affair. I know, I know. I sat, I was, I've been working on it. And then I just have come to the realization that, oh, that is so much work. And I don't know where I'm going to find time to do it. I mean, it, it was a three hour podcast slash video special release that I did at the end of last year. And it probably took between 50 and 60 hours to pull it together. And I'm doing it on a thin time frame too, because it ha- it's, you know, it kind of needs to come out in January maybe. And it's recapping the whole year. And it's just, it was an enormous amount of work. And I had daughter nap times last year. Like my daughter was still doing a two hour nap every day last year. And this year, it's not that. Naps are gone. So it's like hard enough for me to try to pull all this together. And I'm coming to the realization that I don't know how I would record it. I just really don't, unfortunately. I mean, maybe for 2020, I'll be able to pull it together again. But for this year, I thought, well, why don't I just try to put some resources into the website? That's something that people tend to go to every day. Um, so if I can't do a whole big goodbye to 2019, at least maybe I can try to make things a little better for 2020. That was the thought. (laughs) I hope nobody's too disappointed about that. But I'm going to continue to hopefully improve that throughout the year. It's like, I, you know, it's it's a whole lot of widgets and (laughs) moving pieces. So, yeah, that's that. It's Christmas week. Can you believe it? This is the last time that you are going to see me before Christmas. And you know I'm planning out my Christmas dishes right now. I feel kind of stupid that the dishes I li- that I listed was meatloaf. <laughs> I could do it as a meatball. You know, there's many different dishes that I do well. Uh, and I, yeah, I can't think of many of them on the fly. But that's what I would do if I hostessed the um, the Christmas thing. But uh, I, I I can't really. I think I think I think the current. I think mom's fine to do it, and that's what dad wants. So I, and and you know he like him him likes him's ham and turkey and turkey and ham. So I go there and I eat it and I smile. <laughs> But I'm secretly wishing I was eating my meatballs or my chicken dumplings or any number of other yummy things that I make. I am also planning out a couple of recipes for a goodie bag, some gift bags. Like some of the distant family, I just do food. I feel like food's a good gift. So I'm doing up some cute little peanut butter some sort of sweet peanut butter crackers that I think will be good for the kids. Um, like three years in a row, I've done this really good white chocolate Oreo mint popcorn. I think I talked about it last week. It's very good and it's very easy. It's like popcorn, white chocolate, mint Oreos. Boom. Done. Delicious. Doesn't keep very long, so you got to keep it airtight. But it doesn't need to because it gets eaten very quickly. I also, um, I'm going to do a sausage cheese ball. This is very, it's bisquick. Everybody probably has this recipe. I'm going to do one of those because it's easy and good. 
Um, now, you know me, I was on my Martha Stewart kick a couple of weeks ago, so I'm going to uh, make the recipe that was listed as one of Martha's favorite Christmas cookies. It is a chocolate ginger cookie. Has anybody tried this? I like ginger. I like chocolate. I feel like it's probably going to be good, but I'm also probably going to screw it up because I've never worked with fresh ginger before. That's going to be my most challenging one, chocolate ginger cookies. I will let you know how that goes. I am also going to, for the first time, attempt to make a cinnamon roll. I just thought, okay, well, that would be so good. Do an overnight cinnamon roll. Make it on Christmas Eve. Put that into the refrigerator. Bring it out on Christmas morning. Pop it in the oven. Boom. Christmas morning cinnamon rolls from scratch. I think that's going to be good. <laughs> That's the thing I'm most excited about. I will take a picture. Yes. And I will post it to whyrchat.com so that you guys can see it. So come to the website on Christmas. Why not? Say Merry Christmas to the YNR chatters. Say Merry Christmas to them and to me. Um, and, and also feel free to leave your comments about the show there. I mean, secondarily, feel free to comment about the show. I don't know how many episodes we're going to get, so don't ask me. I should have looked that up. Ooh. Bad, Allie. Bad. <laughs> but that's another good reason just to go to the website because I can do it later and inform you. But, yeah, I no, there can't possibly be an actual Christmas Day episode, right? I don't know. I never remember. Whatever. I'm going to be there for whatever they put out. I don't care how many episodes it is. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be looking at Adam's copper tree. I'm going to be loving it. <laughs> It's going to be Christmas in Genoa City, Christmas in my city, Christmas in your city. I hope you have a beautiful, beautiful holiday, however or whenever you celebrate. And I will see you again next Sunday to tell you how it all went and check in on our favorite stuffs. <laughs> I love you guys. Have a wonderful, beautiful holiday. And I will see you next Sunday. Merry Christmas. Bye.